This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Brace yourselves for a noble horror, because the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program has returned. Yes. Nerdy Show's beloved RPG audio drama of black comedy and Lovecraftian horror is back with an all-new series, a chilling tale called The Terrible Secret of Lot X. Head to CthulhuMystery.com or find the Call of Cthulhu Mystery program wherever you procure fine podcasts. Succumb to the maddening call of Cthulhu. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is brought to you by the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. So a quick note before this episode begins, we had a technical issue where we lost all of Doug's audio. So did my best, tried to scavenge everything I could of his audio from what picked up across everybody else's mics. If you hear a sudden drop in sound quality while he's talking, that's why. So I apologize if you can hear the inside of our mouths and our breathing. There was too much progress made on this episode to just scrap it. And I think you'll still enjoy it. Some RPG gaming. Yes. You guys, do you guys like um, games? No, not generally. Yes. I just started playing Battlefield 1 again. Is it good? Yeah. You know, if you like Battlefield games, it's basically the same thing, just different background. You can't see that shrug, listeners, but <coughs> it's a hard shrug. So, Doug, you've been listening in. Mm-hmm. You're going to play in Liam's campaign that he's going to run soon. Yeah, you're playing Bezelbop Phenomena, right? I kind of want to talk about Session Zeros as a concept and what they do. And kind of their responsibility. I'm somebody who has only recently started playing pre-made adventures. I'm enjoying it. But Session Zero is a lot more protracted in that setting than it has been in our homebrew stuff. Because the amount of collaborative world building you can get up to in a Session Zero for something homebrew is just... It's off the charts. You could just do whatever you want. You're like, oh, could we be this? Well, what if this thing was that? And then players could be like, well, could it be slightly different? Could it be this enough instead so that the group of us could be this thing? It's like, or could I be an exception to that in some way? And you're like, yeah, I mean, I guess they could exist. Well, what's your, what's your story idea? And then everybody starts spitballing what it could be, yeah. and then they come up with something that everybody agrees on. Almost as if you can choose the game you want to play. Almost. Yeah. Almost. But I rule with an iron fist, Doug. He does. When, when you, you were the first DM I ever had, and I felt like I had a lot of freedom. You had, yeah. I like loose games. That, that's my favorite one. My favorite one. I rule with an iron fist, but I'm pretty loose about it. It's an open iron fist. It's an open hand. Like Leslie Nielsen in Surf Ninjas. Yes, ex- precisely. I'm so glad someone brought up Surf Ninjas just so that I don't feel like it was a fever dream I had because I keep bringing it up. People are like, that movie does not exist. <laughs> oh, it exists. Then you immediately have to pull up the trailer on YouTube and show the Game Boy or the Game Gear. One of the things about the collaborative world building, we're, we're going to get into with Liam's campaign when we do it, but... Mm-hmm. 
One of the problems I've seen that I think we've all experienced is you show up to a session zero kind of with a character concept in mind. Yeah, generally. Hopefully. Which, which might be actually the wrong thing. But I, From where you're coming from, yes. In that scenario, yes. But everyone I've been involved in has been four hours of train wreck is sharing one book to get your character together and all that and i feel like that really takes the wind out of the sails of joy for what you're getting into yeah so your scenario sounds a lot more fun show up with an well, you said a character concept not a printed character sheet yeah, yeah well but i get what max is saying like if mm-hmm. you show up and you're like i've never played pathfinder before you're like well what do you want to play well i play a character who's kind of this and kind of that and you'll be like and somebody literally has to be an expert yeah. at the table to be able to to kind of mm-hmm. suss out something that could work. Well, like the first time I played D&D. Yeah. Well, well we, had, we had all the tools at our disposal at that time, which was different. So, like, we had the 4th edition character builder, which yep. was immaculate at the time. And it was an excellent resource. Uh, before it went all online. Oh, yeah. When it went online to Microsoft Silverlight, it was, God, it was garbage. horrendous. But that was a useful tool. I feel like the system we're building, the, the Scratch Dice system, we've run character creation at conventions. And at every time when we say, do you want to make your own characters? We've got pre-mades. Everybody was like, let's make them. Let's make them right now. And it took maximum 15 minutes. I don't think I've ever played a 3-5 or a Pathfinder game where character making didn't take an hour. So I'm playing two Pathfinder games right now and one Starfinder game. And in all three of those, I'm trying to have a backup character ready because I don't want to make a decision in the game to preserve my character if they wouldn't know the information I know and they're just going to go out there and die. And it feels like a second job even coming up with these characters, trying to keep in mind at all times. Like, oh, what would they be? And every time your character levels up, when it happens mid-session, I groan. When, (laughs) when, When somebody's like, okay, yeah, you take a rest. And hey, everybody, you're all level 11. I'm like, oh my god! All right, cool. Now an hour. The next hour is going to be spent with everybody leveling up their character. And in the next encounter, you're definitely going to have someone go like, "Oh shit, I forgot," and then do that, and then and like, "Oh no, I didn't." Is that what that does? <sighs> shit, I should have picked something else. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah. Hang on, just give me a second. It's such a chore in all the bookkeeping, and even in fourth edition, when, when we had the tools, it was still a chore, primarily because of skills. So if you were to say. You're about to GM a new session. You've got an idea of what you want to run. How much prep do you go into session zero with? Um, Me or? Yeah, no, each of you. Oh, me? I spent hours putting together the campaign idea that I threw away and I'm not doing anymore. How very Tolkien of you. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I've never run a real campaign before. When I was running my Harry Potter game, I would usually write down like 10 things. Mm-hmm. And then just work from there. So, like, I would write down a name, and then I'll be like, okay, who is that kind of name going to be? So not very much for that. But for this, I'm putting a lot more effort into it. Okay. Is that not something I should do? Oh, no, uh, this is not a judgment no, I'm just on saying what somebody should do. Of what our sessions are, what we want it to be. That's a good question. Uh-huh. Uh, Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have the more open version of that. Usually my stuff is pretty linear. No matter what the players decide to do, if we're going to do a sandbox version, oh, that big bad thing I wanted to have happen, that's still happening. Whether you go with it or not, the clock is ticking, and uh, usually the, the consequences of ignoring it are pretty big until eventually you can't ignore it anymore. But that's not a way to punish the players as much as just letting you have that freedom. If you decide to see it from that perspective, you can. Well, it's also not punishment if you let there be exits to go back into it. I do have to say that is one of the things I disliked about one of the campaigns I played where we kind of got off track and then no one knew how to get us back on track. 
and that then we, you you wander forever. There's a really good Taking 20 video. We've talked about this off-air, uh, this specific video. The guy who runs Taking 20, I forgot his name, I'm sorry. He talks about how he had new players. He bought into 5th edition Storm King's Thunder. And I think the video is called The Worst DMing Advice I Ever Got. Oh, yeah. He bought in big time. So he's like 100 bucks deep into one adventure. And he's like, these players are new, but I'm just letting them go whatever directions they want. And they bring up questions. And I come up with like plot hooks. And we explore backstories. And they've never done this, but they're doing voices. They're role-playing. But we're way off book. And he's thrown kind of a couple hooks in there to get them back on book that they've ignored because they don't know what is and what isn't. You know, they, have yeah. no, they have no idea. So he brings the uh, the advice to other GMs. I'm not going to tell you what they told him because you should watch the video. It's very good. But then he ignores their advice because it's, it's the worst GMing advice he's ever got. And he just talked to them and said, hey, guys, um, I'm having a lot of fun. And I hope you guys are having fun. They're like, fuck yeah. <laughs> like they're having a they're having a blast. And he's like, but uh, but I am, you know, I'm a hun- I'm over hundred bucks deep into Storm King's Thunder. And I really want to play it. It's really cool. There's a couple of plot hooks I can give you that'll take us back into it because I really want to do that. Are you guys cool with that? Just kind of following those until we can get back on book. And they're like, Yeah, that sounds great. And that was the end of this. Because they were new they were new players. They didn't know the grammar of storytelling that can happen in in a tabletop game. They don't know what is and what is not on book. He just talked to him and he's like, hey, to get on book, I have to I have to pull a couple dance moves. Can you guys just be into them? And they're like, yeah, no problem. In keeping with the theme of session zero, I think you can have those frank conversations. Nothing about your story should be precious to you. No. The very first time we sat down to do the Ghostbusters game, I had three separate ideas. And I was like, hey, we can do it in the 80s. We can do it at modern day. We can do it like wherever. You can either be yourselves or you can be these other weird characters. What do you guys want to do? I have seed ideas for each of these possibilities. And then when you decided this, 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 and I was like, okay, well, if you do that, I'd prefer that you do that. And then everyone just agreed. And then we were off and running. It was like. Yeah. Yeah. And it's worked out great. So for more D&D specific examples, I ran, there are two fourth edition campaigns I ran. Uh, that lasted a long time. And the first one, we built a world together. We had like three session zeros where we were like, what's in this world? What lives here? And and we just did a whole collaborative world building thing. And then I was like, okay, now I have three plot ideas. One, you are a group of warforged that don't know how you got there. And each of you will take some kind of weird ailment that will get cured later as you remember things. But you kind of like are all wandering and you all play as warforged. Two is you're a bunch of ex-military who've retired that get called back into the game. And three is that you are a bunch of savage races about to go through a rite of passage. Guess which one we picked? Savage races. Oh, we went so hard. I've always wanted to play a savage race. Dude, it was a good... It It was was fun. It was a lot of fun. But then when I brought Doug and Poole and Briggs and Wall in, I said, here's three more ideas. One of them was the Warforged idea again. Yep. And the other one was the ex-military. And you guys picked the ex-military. So we just went with that thread. And in each of those, I had a central idea of what the problem was. And to be frank, it didn't matter what direction you guys wanted to go or what decisions you made, because I would just made the problem be relevant week to week. It was also the interesting aspect of it. You're saying, hey, the kingdom over here is burning, and there's a weird pillar of purple smoke coming out, and you're hearing weird howling noises. And they go, cool, what's in the other direction? And it's just like, all right, well, if that doesn't interest you, then I guess we're not playing that kind of game. You know? Yeah. I think in one time, I, I, so in the Savage Races campaign, a good example of this 
is I had an entire dungeon scenario where you take an entire town over from the inside planned out. So I created three towns, not fully fleshed out, just three ideas of towns. And they crossed a bridge to follow a caravan and they just burned the bridge down fighting on it. And I was like, on the left, you see that there is some fire in the distance. On the right, there are mountains that you see tracks leading to. And ahead is your destination, but who knows how far it is. And they headed to the right, to the mountains. So then they went under the mountains and that town was there. The problems were with a different kind of people. And they did the city siege that I wanted to run as a GM. And, and they we don't... were none the wiser till this exact moment, and I feel betrayed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I do see a lot of resistance to that idea on the internet, where you write down a set of encounters, and your players are like, I'm ignoring the story hook you prepared that leads us to those encounters. And a GM will go, okay, no problem, you'll do this other story hook. And they'll just repurpose those encounters for that story hook, and people will be like, you are removing player agency. It's like, no, they don't know that... Yeah. These encounters don't exist. They're not... None of it's finalized. Do they not understand how causation works? I think they believe that causation is similar to reality. Yeah. In D&D, and it's not even a little bit. But the players don't know, so don't tell them, because it doesn't matter, and they don't care. They want to have fun. Is yeah. it fun? Then you've done your job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. The point of a tabletop game is the illusion of being an adventurer. And the illusion of choice is fine in that situation. Stuff happens. You have fun with your friends. You you tell a story. No one complains in the choose-your-own-adventure story that sometimes you end up on the same page. And also, if you're like, oh, I've got this counter plan where something catches fire, and they got to deal with the shit that's catching fire, like, you just have that on your plate. And then somebody's like, well, I run into the hospital. And you're like, oh, we're, okay, the hospital. The hospital catches fire. An even simpler example would be whenever we sit down to play a game, in my notes, I have a small column of random generic names. Yeah. And eventually, you're going to meet all those names. I don't know who they are. I don't know what the context is. But if I decide to use this name or that name at any given random point, you stop a random person on the street, am I cheating you by using it now versus later? No. It's just a random fucking name. It doesn't matter. The, the encounter should be the same way because it's you're rolling against numbers. Well, this is interesting, though, because the amount of prep it takes to prep what you're going to run them against that week is different than prepping your plot hooks. Yes. Because you can have multiple plot hooks that are fundamentally different. The outcomes, sure. what it means to the world that these characters live in, are different. And if they pick one, there's consequences for the other. But week to week, what you're prepping for the game, you can probably make it work for every encounter. As this applies to session zero, every week kind of becomes this if you're doing your own homebrew stuff, where the input you're getting from your players in the moment, you just kind of log away. And you're like, cool, that that's a cool idea. I didn't think of that. I'll come up later. Yeah. They've suddenly told me their character's greatest fear because they thought it was funny to bring up. Cool. Keeping that. It's weird because for this game, I'm doing more prep than I usually do because it's got to be shorter and more succinct. Yeah. So I kind of have to get to the end faster. So I need to have more ideas of the end settled. It's a lot more beginning and end based with the middle still kind of melange But I know where I want to start. I know where I want to finish. It's the middle part where I'm like, well, I guess they could burn everything down. At any point. It's true. I don't think steering people back on track should be that difficult. And I feel like the, the plot hooks you want to run, keep them. So if you're running session zero, you need to remind everybody at the table. You're not God. You're, you're not able to railroad them into the choices that you want. They shouldn't have to fit the boxes 
that you want to create for them. But you should impress upon the party that there is a kind of game you will enjoy running. You don't want to run a hardcore survivalist campaign where they have to track how much food they eat every day. If you don't want to be a part of that as a GM, you need to tell them. That is very important. Because that would be a, a nasty surprise. If that's the majority of your game and you did not know that going in, though, as well. Absolutely. Like a player side, you're like, what? Oh, fuck. Yeah, I mean, everybody says Session Zero is for setting good expectations. That's fine. But it's also about being heard, about what will help you have the most fun. You could say communication. No. Absolutely not. Way off base, Doug. Turn off his mic. Doug. Doug. Minus four momentum. Shut him down. You don't even have momentum yet. You're You're dead. You're negative four. I'm not even your GM. <laughs> You're his life GM. You're his podcast GM. Yeah. Shit, I should just that's I'm gonna put that on a resume. I'm a life GM. That's actually pretty good. Real life dungeon master. Write that on your resume. All right, let's get in a quick mechanic question, and then we'll get into magic again. Yay! How do we feel instead of rolling a D4 for unarmed strikes? They are a flat two damage. Until we investigate sidesteps. Yes. Yes. Well, I feel like maybe that's the way they're unique. Yeah. So even like Path of the Pugilist, like eh, it increases to four flat. Hmm. I mean, mechanic wise, I can see it, but story wise, if you were like you're playing a featherweight, you know, you're playing like a weakling, mm-hmm. punch just as hard as someone who might be twice your size Com- compared to a dagger. Yeah. Well, no, you add your strength. Oh, it's just a flat plus two to whatever. You're yeah, yeah. So it's not instead of rolling a d4 and adding your strength, you just do two and add your strength. Okay. I see. Okay. So I it's a much that. more fixed measured way of attacking you do a bunch of attacks at a flat damage amount no okay i I like that that does yeah so we'll change that because right now the reason why i suggest this is because dagger is a d4 and a punch shouldn't be as hard as a potential dagger well i mean a dagger goes from one to four right okay so magic we've got to get into that magic shit gik or gic gik let me add a k to this nice hold on pause for k so rituals he said pause for K, Liam. All right, the K has been added. Okay. Sorry, Liam. Please continue. No, it's over now. No, it's <laughs> over. So I was thinking, how do we deal with rituals? Right? So we've talked about being able to invent your own. I think that's still possible. Maybe that should be something that you just go over with the GM. Yes. Because I think we need a large enough stable of them that it's easier to do. Mm-hmm. Can anyone attempt to perform a ritual if they know it? Yes. In other words, you're a non-magic user. Typically, let's say you, you do no body magic. Yeah, let's say whatever, and uh, you stumble across a book from an old wizard, and mm-hmm. you start reading through, and you go, "Okay, well, this has a step-by-step instruction on how to do whatever." If I read this out loud, it should do it. Should that be able to? In other words, is it the force? Does everybody have it, or is like, or is this like special? I think the force is a poor metaphor for what you just described. Yes. I think what you just described is... Body a, magic. Well, no, no, no. I think it's every version of magic that I like in books where somebody... The movie The Gate. You ever see that with uh, Stephen Dorff as a kid? No. They run an Great, album yes. backwards in their backyard and opens a portal to hell where they repeat a ritual. Like, that's the kind of shit that you'd be like, oh, some farmers found a book and they read it out loud and, oh, shit. Like, like Well, no. I mean, that allows way more stuff to happen as opposed to, like, in Harry Potter, only wizards can do it. Muggles... No matter how hard you try, you can't do magic. Right. I feel like Harry Potter magic is like the body magic that we use. Because their magic isn't very complex. It is implicitly incomplex with the complex stuff. They're like, oh, no one studies that because it'll drive you crazy. Yeah. I I think 
I think the rituals we get into the complex shit. Like we get into what's a good what's a good setting with complex rituals? Doctor Strange. Mm. Yeah, actually, that's a good yeah. So like Doctor Strange, like by the eyes of Agamotto, you know, and the and you have to do certain movements, you have to say it in a certain way. Exactly, the hoary hosts of Hogarth. You okay, have to, you have to learn that shit. You can't just right. Just... So so discovering a ritual would be a big deal because maybe they're closely guarded for that. Like people get body magic, but rituals that's power on the page. You you if knowledge is true power in that sense, does it cost momentum to cast a ritual? Depends. I think it should at upper levels. I thought it. My, my knee-jerk reaction was it should, at a lower level, if you are a non-magic user. If you have no experience with magic and you're going to read shit for the first time, like, shouldn't it do something? Mo- it- I think momentum is such a precious life force. But if you're a non-magic user and you say, I want to do this, I've never done this before, I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. Well, like like the situation of a farmer who digs up an old book yeah, and it says, like, you know, the, he rereads what the text of the ritual is, and then he spends ten momentum, and that's more than he has, and it does five damage to him when it when it's cast. Now you've got a dead farmer, and there's a beast that's been summoned. Even if you're like, okay, you know what? I'm going to spend. You need to spend some momentum in order to do it. Maybe that's the thing. It's like, oh, yeah. like everybody needs to spend at least one. Yeah, and if you do that, if you spend that one and it goes well, oh, went well, great. But if you spend that one and it goes bad, it goes extra bad because you don't know what you're doing. There, but there should be level zero. Rituals are like, oh, we're summoning water. or We're like, going to go into that. Things that are like minor rituals that one guy on your ship, if you're a sailor, knows this one. Light and it's easy to support. Light the yeah. support. It's right. easy to do that. And you're like, and all it does is so like. The craft. That's a perfect example yeah. of rituals. The fact that Liam said level zero, they should be broken down by tier. Yes. I want to make them a little more rare than one guy on your boat should know them. I think that even the level zero stuff. So, okay. Let me make my case. So there, there could be legendary rituals, literally legendary, yeah, that define entire campaigns that you go on, where you're just trying to shut down one of these, or you're trying to get one that will stop the problem, or rituals that can keep cities flying through the sky that involve hundreds of people every day. Rituals that tame legendary creatures, like if the world ender is going to come and you guys are going to be the one to tame it to solve a problem, or rituals that just summon the apocalypse and you got to stop them. So I think ritual use in this setting could be highly illegal and controversial. So there could be harmless rituals that are accepted, but you have to be a true expert to use them. Something like weather forecasting, mm-hmm. supremely useful and maybe might be enough for an entire kingdom to be difficult to fight against. Cause if you know that they have an accurate forecasting ritual, you may not ever want to meet them in the field of battle. Yeah. Yeah. Just having that knowledge benefit over somebody else might just be even enormous. being able to feed yourself and not have spring be a crapshoot yeah exactly <laughs> yeah like we're gonna eat next year so don't worry about it medicinal mm-hmm. like there could be legendary traveling healers but nobody would make their ritual illegal you know so yeah. so let's think like things that are perfectly legal but useful and harmless so weather forecasting is harmless yeah but it is an advantage medicinal and then temporary augmentations like something just to be smarter for a little while yeah. Like, you know, the benefit that caffeine would give you maybe or something like that. Oh, even even one to just staves off needing to rest with our incredible mm. difficulties you can go in from not resting. That yeah. would be very useful. But also rare. Yeah. Like let's let's think about that. Like like you hear about maybe a mercenary company that can go for three days straight. Like the the fucking space marines. Yeah. You know, like they can shut off half of their brain and keep going like a dolphin. But legal. Because there's no person being directly harmed by the ritual. I mean, depending on what region you're in, any ritual use could be illegal. Mm-hmm. 
So magic, even if it's not being used medicinally, the usage of magic is almost like you have to take the Hippocratic Oath. Well, depending on where you live. Right. The idea of being like, the magic is only legal if you're not doing harm. Yeah. Well, I, so I'm, I'm, let's think of this in the, in the context of the Akinosian Empire then. Yeah. Because I feel like we need a baseline for this and then we need variations off. So I think legal is weather forecasting, if you can find somebody who can do it medicinal if that person is going to be here this month and temporary argumentations like you say a tiny prayer and this guy can run a little faster or something like that like nobody's being harmed now regulated heavily meaning only used by special permission or by the government Mm -hmm. scrying on people yes illusions definitely protections so a barrier uh, an alarm you know any kind of warding against any kind of effect has to be heavily regulated because it could pre- it could prevent somebody from scrying on you. Uh, fortifications, same thing. You're you're increase you're making it so your door your door is harder to break down. You're making it so that people can't listen in through the door physically. And uh, minor summoning, like little. One of the examples we used earlier was like you kill a bird and then you create a magical bird from it that you can give it a message and send it. That kind of thing. Regulated heavily. What about making like pulling a good old Jesus? water and uh making transmuting foods and stuff to sustain oneself or something interesting so far all the ones we've talked about have come with like a cost or like some kind of balancing measure i think the ones that you're talking about sound more medicinal like oh i'm, I'm creating some water yeah you know there's very very tiny little yeah but what about like a shopkeeper who's just like all right hey um i'm just going to just start selling apples nonstop, and i can just keep making apples out of whatever i get I can sell them. It's a perpetual machine of whatever. Meanwhile, the farmer's like, no one's buying my apples anymore. <laughs> well, one, if you are real, if you're smart enough to use the ritual, you'd know not to crash the market. And two, one guy has that in all the world. How many apples is he really making? No, I'm just saying, like in terms of like, is that legal? Is in other words, like I mean, sure. If someone I'm not sure. It, I'm not I, sure they'd be able to tell if it what you were doing. Like you'd have to be caught more than anything else. I think it would definitely be illegal. But the idea that anyone would look into it enough seems strange. What if? Sure, I just didn't like. Is that legal? It's the idea. Like of, I'm taking this and changing it. A street child disappears, and then he makes a new apple. And then <laughs> yeah, a child that's, a, that's a Here, and that's a level one here's the adventure. Thing. Yeah, I think that would become illegal based on scale. If you're if you're out and about and you're and you just never need to buy apples, you're not hurting anyone. You're not affecting anything. Sure, legal. If you are mass producing apples and affecting the world, illegal. That because that's what they're really going against. It's not. Here's uh, here's uh, maybe something that kind of makes it moot. If we say that yes, you have to spend momentum to cast a ritual. Oh yeah, then you'd never then do it to make yeah, apples. It would never. It would be such a waste of momentum. What if the fish people? There was a group of fish people who were destroying all rituals because they believe it was a ritual that caused the collapse like of their the empire. opposite of the way forward. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah that could be fun. Except for the way forward hates technology. Well, it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. They want to destroy rituals because they know what happens when you do rituals. Right. So, the last one I have for uh, heavily regulated is travel. Definitely, that would be that would be huge. Something like things that we regulate in real life. You've heard of a scroll scroll of teleportation? You'd be like, oh my god, I would use that constantly. And now let's talk about forbidden. So, anything that alters behavior. Yep. Yeah. Any mind control. Any. Yeah. And then fortune telling. Definitely. If if you're fortune telling and you actually know how to do it, you are extremely dangerous. You either work for the government. Or the government wants to find you. Or you have taken control of everything because you know the outcome. <laughs> Operation Paperclip. Your Biff Tannen. For fortune tellers. Yeah. Yeah. 
summoning intelligent or dangerous creatures. Yep. Resurrection. Yep. And anything that alters living creatures. Chimera, etc. Now, when you say alter a living creature, what makes that illegal versus, oh, I'm going to regrow a limb? Well, I think that that is that yeah. counts. That would be that would be considered illegal. Oh yeah. So if a, so if someone lost their limb and they're like, "Hey, doc, any way I can regrow this limb?" You're like, All right, okay. I don't think I think that would be heavily medicinal. If you fused a person with a tiger arm, they'd be like that. You're now stepping outside the bounds of everything. Why do you always wear long sleeves in the summer? Yeah, no reason. Why you got claws on it? <laughs> Fuck off, dude. Why is one of your arms significantly longer than the other? Birth defect. I'm not yeah. marked, though. And that illegal is such a, you know, with the breath of the world, what's illegal could be 10 miles over. It could be perfectly yeah. illegal. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is the baseline. I mean, you could go to the full-on hedonistic Savathians, and they're like, do all of it, but never without consent, right? So, like, it's all fair game. If you have permission, yeah. If your thing is you like you like to get mind controlled, you're just really into it. <laughs> I just keep thinking of rural parallels where I'm like, oh, I want to get a certain operation done here, but my insurance doesn't cover. It. I'll just go to Canada, <laughs> yeah. Thailand. Hey, yeah, just go visit the, the broad man. They'll take care of that shit. Oh yeah, sounds great. Now yeah. you have a mission. Just yeah, go. and you show back up though. Yeah, you come back. What happens? Well, it depends on the culture, but yeah, or if they know you or care. Mm. Although I, I could imagine Harag culture would be like completely okay with limb gr- limbs yeah. regrowing. They'd be like, we do that anyway. Yeah. If, I, if I have cancer and I've done all the treatments and it's not working and I decide I want to go fly up to South Korea to try, you know, this random thing, that this, this treatment that's illegal in America for some reason, and I get it and it works and I come back, you can't arrest me in America. In America? Well, what if there's a ritual to dispel? Oh, they're like, nope, fuck off. Ooh, here's the but thing. Is, but is it magic that's still holding me together? Yeah, maybe. Once I'm healed, oh, I don't. Still holding me I don't know. If if someone regrows your arm and they dispel magic, it doesn't. Your arm isn't magic. The process of regrowing it was. Yeah, your arm is not magical forever. After. Well, what if it causes it to regrow, and they're like, okay, well, I'm gonna do uh, the magic was there, and it just starts to invert and starts going back into you. No, because it's not magically support. It's still supported by your bodily functions. You go to the Harad and say, I want you to regrow, like, I want you to regrow yeah. my limb. You, you regrow your limb, you go back, and they're just like, hey, I'm detecting illusion here. You, 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 don't, you don't have the right to do illusion. No, I just regrow my limb. Dude, they fucking conned you, and your arm is gone, yeah. and it's like, fuck. So they, well, I mean, I feel re- like if it's just a limb, they'll just chop it off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you didn't have authorization to regrow that limb, and there's a cost associated with everything. So we are removing it because you violated our laws. You cannot uh, persist here. So you, you either can't come in... The- or we, or we lop it the off. The idea of them having the organization to enforce that, though, is insane. What are you talking about? Saudi Arabia lops off people's hands. Like, yeah. Like, and, for, for yeah, theft. Yeah. Because it was recently regrown. Yeah. No. no they would, though. You, you, you know they would. Stealing, I'm though. saying. They if, absolutely would. You, yeah. No, you'd you be went, killed. You'd be killed. If you went back to your hometown, but if you were just, like, heading back into their country and be like, Jeffrey, you used to not have an arm. We have it in our papers that we have on every individual who lives in our entire culture that we just have at every guard post. Oh, no. I think it would be easier for you to get away with it if you were less likely to be known. But, I mean, mm-hmm. if you were a town shopkeep and people come in and chopped off your arm and then you're gone for two years and come back, people know who you are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then you suddenly have an arm again. They're like... Yeah, you can't You can't do that. Yeah, yeah. no, sure, sure. But yeah. even if you live in the capital city, you could just show up. No, no guards would be like... 
I disagree. Eric, Eric what's going on? I think, here? I, think I, I live in we live in a town of fifty thousand people. Yes. Every day, if I go to the store, I will see ten people I know. Yes. Okay. That's all. <laughs> I feel like that makes its own point. If that's what I'm saying, in Echinosha, if it's illegal, yeah, you know it's illegal. You know that by going somewhere else and getting it done, you really can't go home again. Yeah, I think I think you make that choice. Yeah, yeah. especially if you resurrect a, a dead kid. Oh my god. Oh no, you're fucked. Like no, yeah, there's no way you're coming home after that. No, like, it's like pet cemetery. It's like all right, I'm just gonna gonna get my kid and then uh and I'm gonna leave the country and we're never going no. back again. I'm like, this is my son Billy. He uh, stares at things now. I would totally understand that if other people with detect magic could feel like yeah. Could, oh, but here's another thing. How does the resurrection work? Does I don't it? Know. Do, does it no, we need to know so that we, we need can to make know rules. Now. We need to know now, but, we, but we're not going to start with resurrection. Yeah, but no, I'm <laughs> saying like this is this is a big one. How does the how does the healing arts work? Does it just return you to a process where like, or in resurrection, are you constantly having to be fed? Are you constantly a magical entity afterwards? Does resurrection ever work flawlessly in the best of circumstances, or is there always now you're off? Well, so Liam brought up a point where he's like, "Well, you just regrow your limb. It's your limb." I don't know. Like maybe magic does persist in whatever it's used on. Okay. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Because that's, like, that's how the idea of detecting magic works. Like radiation? Kind of, yeah. That, that's actually, that's a better there's way of a, thinking of it than I was saying. half-life on magic? Yeah, so... So it'll last for a long time, and, and by its strength, you can tell how long ago it was used, almost. So if there's, like, an ancient Sabathi, well, we don't know how old the Sabathians are. But like, I just don't right. like the idea of being able to dispel. Oh, to undo it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you can't dispel it and undo it. It's just you can tell that it was used. Yeah. I do the, like the idea of, like, my limb that my body is now supporting completely on its own, you can just undo. Is, I mean, is odd. There's a, there's a very easy non-magical way to undo that limb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I like. I'm the, I'm saying the magical way to undo it seems insane. Okay, I like the idea of the like over a month the arm being swallowed back into you, like growing smaller, and that's your campaign is you have to get back before your arm disappears and have him do it again. Because you could have a spell like that called wither. Yeah. yeah. Or just or just if you yeah. did, or if you the Thinner. guy you went to did a shit job if you didn't do it properly. Yeah. Thinner. Yeah. I think more like Looper. So I think we're gonna we're just gonna have to start off with creating a bunch of low level stuff. And what what's a difficulty of let's start with weather forecast because I feel like it's the most it's the simplest to quantify because it's just a function of time. Any meteorologist listening is like fuck you, simplest thing to, to quantify weather. No, I mean in in terms of what you, what the outcome you're looking for is, right. you would say in the next couple hours, then tomorrow, yeah, then the upcoming week, and and even more difficult than the upcoming week. 
a specific date in the future. Yes. So let's use that as our baseline. We have a wedding coming up. Uh, we need to know. Exactly. Oh, we're, that would be. We were talking you about. You would make big bucks. We that. were talking about the Unabomber, the manifesto. What if there's a madman out there who's just putting out an almanac and it's just fucking up the world because too many people can know what's oh, going on Oh, because it's now? just full of rituals and he's just made a billion copies he of it? To, no, like, he would be murdered immediately. They, the government if has they to hunt found him. out about him. That's true. You got to hunt him down because like, he's letting people know what the weather's going to be next year. We can't have that shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But next, they know all of our secrets. Umbrella cells have tanked. Yeah, big umbrella. <laughs> big umbrella. <laughs> so let's quantify this. Weather forecasting. If you want right. to know what the weather's going to be in the next couple hours, and it costs momentum. I don't think for the next couple hours it needs to cost momentum. What I think, if, I think that's, a, that's a big ask, ask for three hours in the future. What if it is a total of two momentum and you have to beat a five? I, I think... Th- the momentum and everything that you can spend on momentum, and that momentum can kill you. That's two d six. No, no. no. Yeah. What, yeah. what I'm what I'm saying is that you don't roll a d twenty. Okay. And you say I'm going to try to cast this ritual to know what it's going to be. I need two momentum. I can spend it, or somebody can join hands with me and spend it. Uh huh. And we have to beat a five. Still, like, what if the difficulty is some is literally five, but you can only spend momentum? Do my it. my problem is not with that. It's with very low level, very basic things. I don't want rituals to have to cost momentum. When you, uh, there should be a, a threshold of now, this is power. See, I I, I disagree because I think I think you a, said a you, day's forecast. That's that's impressive. That's useful. But like, hmm, this is gonna rain a couple hours. I'm going to spend one thirtieth of what is required. No, not even one th- one fifteenth of what is required to gain terrible increased powers on a thing you could use every day. Here's here's what I fundamentally disagree with your assessment: is that you are saying something basic. I don't believe any oh. any ritual is basic. And here's why. You would never do this unless you needed to know the answer. Fair enough. But it just, it seems so... Like, you, your so, characters... It seems... The, my thing is, it seems so pedestrian to our current life that doing it for that doesn't make sense to the player's brain. That there is that there is a disconnect and a, and a hard wall and a hard line on that where it has to make sense to the person even playing the game to want to do that. I hear what you're saying, but I think, to Josh's point... It's only if you needed to know. I need to know. Is there a chance of it raining, like, in the next three hours? Because I got to go do a thing, and if it's going to rain, we're going to die for some reason. Yeah, just just some kind of thing. I need 100% certainty. Will it rain, yes or no? And you're like, okay, let's spend the momentum to know for 100% certainty. Otherwise, even people in the ancient times could look around and get a pretty good idea of whether it was going to rain in the next hour. Yeah. So then, so then you say, all right, well, let's set the difficulty... At three, you All could right. only spend momentum to solve this problem. It's up to you how much you want to spend as a group. Mm-hmm. You can always join hands with other people and, and spend momentum to know the answer for this. Difficulty is three. You're going to spend momentum. You're going to spend one momentum to try to get this three. I'm not. But if, how bad do you need to know it? Like, I mean, like how bad do you need to know? Yeah, if you succeed, yeah. you're 100 certain it's going to happen the way that you see it. Yes. And otherwise, you just say, "All right, you know what? I'm not going to spend the momentum. Let me just do a really good perception roll. And if you roll really high in perception, you can say, "No, there's not a fucking cloud in the sky. We're fine." Yeah, you do perception. You're like, you don't have any reason to think it would be 
gonna it's it's gonna rain. There could be people with weather magic and weather rituals to change the weather. And if you're going up against somebody, you could be like, in the next three hours, I want to know if he's gonna cast a lightning storm. <laughs> like that's really useful information. But you, that's not that's not the weather you're trying. Yeah, to- I don't think that would. No, no, no. I think it is the weather because you're like, I want to know what's gonna happen with the weather in the next three hours. And somebody's gonna use a, a ritual that's gonna change the weather. Well, then you're not predicting the weather. You're predicting the, the future. future. The weather is the future, Doug. No, when you can affect it, Josh. Put it okay. on. Put it on. No, put no, that on a bumper sticker. No, and you can affect it. But what I think he's saying like is that a meteorology report doesn't matter if you then seed it with with iodine. Yeah, if Doctor Doom makes a tornado machine and releases it upon you know. Hold, wait, wait, wait. I think you're imagining this ritual as some kind of scientific device that measures current barometric pressure. This is not the fuck what we're talking about. We're talking about magic that will literally let you know what the weather is going to be. It's it's not a. But you're predicting what someone else is going to do, not what's going to naturally happen. But that's always the case. Like, if I say, will this cart break in the next hour? That is a statement about the future. But you're, you're localizing you're it to the, the cart. cart. You're asking if the cart's going to break. You're not asking if someone's going to smash the cart. Right, but if the, the answer would be yes, but it wouldn't tell you why. It just seems kind of shifty. Well, yeah. <laughs> what do you, what do you, I don't understand the objection, I guess. The, There's a big reason we stopped doing magic and started doing yeah, science. Because we like to, an answer. To spend the momentum to know for absolute certainty. Is like you should be guaranteed that certainty as opposed to yes. like, okay, it's like, hey, is it going to rain within the next, you know, three hours and it looks like clear skies, but you just need to know for sure for whatever reason. And it's like, okay, then uh, no, you can see that you spend the momentum, you succeed. I can tell you that you see a really bad lightning storm happening. It's like, wait, so I'm seeing the future. I'm not like. No, you just get like we could detail what the ritual is, but you throw in stones around and the stones predict there's lightning storm. And you're like, oh, something's going to change dramatically. Because remember, the person affecting the weather is also using this kind of magic to do it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, doesn't thunder only happen when it's raining? I hate no. you, Max. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that a magically created thunderstorm seems like you, you, you should be... De- are you detecting other people's spells in the future, or are you detecting the natural course of weather? Well, there's nothing about what you're doing that's natural. Mm-hmm. So you are tapping into the magic of the world. If the magic is the internet, and I'm just going to log on and see yeah. what's happening? And there's a process that's going to happen. And, and I see this guy's off. uploading... No, you don't see that. You just see that something's wrong, and it's going to be wrong in this time. And I feel like weather forecasting... I mean, what, the weather might as well be magic, like, before meteorologists. Like, yeah. It might as well be. I, the I just, the like, skimmers believe it is. I'm just, I'm just trying to understand the... the skimmers are definitely the guys with the, that ritual. Right. I'm just trying to understand what, what when I spend that momentum, what am I actually getting? It's just a sneak peek at the future, period, and not like specifically focused on. You know what I mean? Like, no, you're just going to know what the weather is. That's all this ritual would do in the next three hours, let's say. But this guy hasn't cast that spell yet to make a thunderstorm. Correct. What if something would have happened to him? Well, then, I don't know. So, yeah, I guess that is my problem. Causality? That's the thing that bothers me. Like, well, turn one, we just stomp him. Yeah, it's like we're, we're, hunt- we're hunting a wizard who is who is changing the weather for bad reasons to ruin people's days or right. whatever. We're hired to stop him. We say, okay, if we can just know in advance when bad weather is going to happen, we'll know where he is. We can stop him from happening. So then your role was just bullshit because you stopped it from happening. So therefore... You raise a good point. Um, however... It's like, with 100% certainty, it will have a thunderstorm. Well, then we can't stop him. 
there's an easy way to kind of thought experiment this out. When you're casting the ritual, you are no longer included into the whatever realm it takes to process it, and it doesn't take into account that you know it. So it's like inaction. Like if we disappeared, it's, we, we it's, if we jumped forward in time, what if you? It's a measure of probability. Like probably this is going to happen based on what the spirits say. But probably isn't good enough for me to spend momentum. I want to know. No, because if it says if it's a clear day and it says we think it's going to storm like crazy, you're like that's weird. Uh, right, but if it looks like a clear day I, and I roll perception, you say you don't see a the, cloud in the sky. Why am I going to even bother spending momentum? The probability sounds messier than just being like you can interrupt causation. I through, think that's through fine. through ritual magic. Yeah, you I can interrupt fine. your own predicted future by being aware of it. What if it is just. With things the way they are, if 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 everything yes. continues if no, on its if, current if path, no, uh, intervention intervention from outside forces. Yes. Yeah. So so if if nothing interferes, this is what's going to happen. Uh, so if you don't interfere, you're getting your own little yes. piece of this information, like that Nick Cage movie, the Philip K. Dick book. No, the one yeah. was that the one where you could see three seconds in the future. Yeah. No, because. The whole end of that movie is that he sees several days into the future. Oh, I never saw it. It's uh, like that movie 12 Monkeys. Hey, don't. Good. Actually, the Nick Cage performance alone is kind of worth seeing. See Mandy instead. Also mm. see Mandy. Yeah, I heard that. But the idea of like, hey, I'm standing well, I, 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 there's, there's a fork in the road. Do I go left or do, do I go right? Well, let me look ahead a little bit. Well, before you make this decision, this is what it says. So it's like, hey, I'm going to, hey, we're going to go left. What's it going to look like left? And then, oh, it's going to rain. And you know what? We should just probably go right because it's going to rain if you go that way. Yeah. All right. So if we just, if we make it so that causality. This also works well with fortune telling or. It sounds like the same thing to me. It sounds like the exact same spell. Only it, I think, way I think more narrow. I think it is, but the, to get the information you're looking for, you need to know the ritual, right? It's so like, like, it's like I have a spyglass into the future. Am I looking at the weather? Am I looking at what people are doing? Am I looking at you know whatever? Because like, in reality, you're looking at a probability. Yeah. You're saying it's probably going to rain because this guy's probably going to cast a spell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you could present it as this is what we see as of now. So what's the difficulty to see the next three hours of weather? Should be low, but. So like three, yeah, three. Yeah. Okay, three, and you could, and, and you have to spend momentum on every ritual. All right, the cost of momentum. Maybe a point of difficulty for every hour. Do you want to get that specific? No, I think that also stacks real high, real quick. Yeah, I, I think I think the next three hours. That's one. The next difficulty above that is the following day. Yeah. So the following day, what's that? Ten? Is that too high? Well, is it is it then after the three hours to the following day would be an increase? I want to see the weather in five hours. I'm paying. Am I still paying the three and, hour? And, and then the, the fortune teller goes, "Oh, that's gonna that's gonna cost you the full days." But I'm gonna play a full day. It's like I don't want another full day. Just tell me about five hours. Why don't we just do? Well, we'll make it four four hours. Uh-huh. And then the next step above that is twenty four. All right, four hours is a score of three. If someone says, "Well, I don't want," if someone's being a stickler, and they're just like, "Well, I want to know what happens in six hours, not four hours." We're like, "Dude, how about I tell wait you two what, hours?" Yeah, or wait two hours, or how about I tell you what happens in four hours? And if it sounds like it's raining really bad, it's probably raining really bad in six hours too. Or you could just ask six hours and then Same. do this. It's the same thing. Wait two hours it's just and the same thing. Yeah. Sorry, the ritual doesn't work like that. It's four hours, 24 hours. I like the, I like kind of the, the division. Yeah. Four hours, 24 hours, because there's like levels of magical effort being put into sure. something. Yeah. We're like, boost it again. Boost it again. We're going way past. We shot way, way past our goal. Now we're seeing weather on the moon. For 24 hours, you probably got to kill three people, right? Well, I don't know what the ritual itself is yet, but we're just talking about difficulty to perform mm-hmm. it once you get the components, right? So 24 hours. So what's the average of 2d6? 
It's 3.5 times 2, so 7. Let's make 24 hours 8. All right. And then we'll say for the week, 15. Because that's like, you, you're making plans yeah. at a week, right? I wouldn't even be a part. I like At that point, throw some more required momentum. Also, to clarify, this is weather in your immediate area, not weather at your yep. destination. Yep. You know. I think we're dealing with time and then scope, area, and specificity will add other. Yeah, so let's, let's do that. So four hours, three, 24 hours, eight, week 15. What about a specific date? 25? Think about how many momentum you'd have to spend to get that, to, to feel reasonably confident that you're getting that. 10? 10 would only, well, average 35. If you, need, if you need to know a specific day, it's pretty desperate. Yeah, and you could you could pull the group for ten momentum. Yeah. Okay. Everybody chips in two or three. Okay. Now let's just add modifiers for distance. Yeah. So uh, local zero. And local is like within the city, like within sight, maybe five, five mile radius. Yeah, just like what you can if you look We're around. About weather. So. Yeah. Over my head, literally. Just yeah. Nowhere else. <laughs> it's gonna rain on me. I don't know. For the rest of you, probably. Okay, five mile radius, and now we need to go further from you. It's not a radius. Mm-hmm. Twenty miles away. Plus one? I think plus three. All right. You're thinking like oh, 20 miles is a long way. For a walking yeah. culture, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would. For every five miles, it's plus one momentum until a threshold and you can shoot further. Uh-huh. No, sorry, not plus one momentum. Uh, plus one difficulty. Until you get to 50 miles. So 50 is a difficulty of 10, mm-hmm. 50 miles away. So once you get to 100 miles, it should be 15. And then a thousand miles, man, you'd be doing a lot of traveling in a week for a thousand miles. We need to know the weather of a place we can't possibly get to. <laughs> you know. That unless you got that scroll to tell No, me. here's yeah. the thing. That could be important depending on mm-hmm. where if you need to know where someone is. Yeah. The only yeah, this guy everywhere he travels, it's just a red tornado of death. And then you're like, Oh, what's the weather over there? Red tornado of death. That's where he is. And then plus one for every thousand after a thousand. I do. I do want to add a positive modifier, something that would ne- like drop it down. Okay. If it's a specific location that you have a strong attachment to, like if it's your ho- if your hometown and it's a thousand miles away, I think it should be easier. Okay. I have another one on top of that. So we'll say if it's your hometown, or ju- or just where you, well, like a place you spend a lot of somewhere that you are are grounded and connected, extremely to. familiar with. Yes. No, no. I think it's got to be your home base. Right, so maybe not your hometown, but 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 the place where you call home reduces it by half. Ooh, that's stronger than I would. But good. like, if it's only, if it's only that place, then it yeah. scales. Right. That's okay. The, that's the good thing about it. It scales. What if you have somebody there who also will do this? What if you have somebody at the location who can look in the immediate weather future for that? Yeah. So, and it's just easier just to contact them to say, "What's the weather like where you are?" All right, give me twenty minutes. Now you can't talk contact them directly through this. But you tell them to go there and do the ritual, mm-hmm. and then when you do it, it's going to be easier. Yeah, like it would probably be easier to have a psychic message sent to someone that you really have a strong well, connection. I'm, I'm not even saying psychic message. No, this is just like they're a, they're a conduit. Yeah, you have a connection to them. You're not communicating with them after you send them off to go do the ritual. You say, go there, and by this time, I need you to do the ritual for weather forecast. And they do it, and then on that date, you also do it. You get a bonus. 
because oh, like a like a. I would. I don't even know if it needs to be. I guess same date works. With like the idea that you'd have to be doing it at the exact same time. No, I, I think. I think the same date. Yeah, just like in the same area. The, the and you, magic needs and to you be know relevant. Yeah, yeah, and you just there could be even like, like to do that. You like, you hey, modify it this much. It takes a long time to get to that destination. So one week from today, and you yeah. can be in the capital city around midday. Do the do the weather forecast, and I'll do it over here, and we'll we'll be able to figure it out. Yeah, that that works. You could imagine somebody wanting to set up a network like that, so they can be like, "Here's what the weather's like in such and such." Yeah. And you could say, "Oh, there's a storm coming in on this side." So, but go. since it costs momentum, people will be like, "I don't know if I'm going to do that because momentum is like they're almost like a life force, right?" Yeah, and for non-adventurers, I imagine it would be very precious. Yeah, like. Yeah, to for, momentum <laughs> for npcs like in this in this world this fictional world it's like the king wants to have like a good idea of like all right what's the weather gonna be like i want to have a weather you know forecaster here and then in the sister city and then over and so on and so on and it's just like sire please every time we do this it's costing just life essence like well let's give him more life essence send some whores their way or something like, <laughs> like what is it that's like, but you don't understand how it works. <laughs> you have to do something virtuous or really, really funny. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what does that remove if somebody's there? I think another half. Half again? Yeah. Okay. Call them an envoy. I like that. Okay. So if you wanted to know something literally on the other side of the planet. Okay. This would be tough to orchestrate. Presently yes. or in the future? Let's say the most difficult that you could have. Okay. Specific date on the other side of the planet. Specific date on the other side of the planet. Let's let's say for the next week on that side of the planet. Okay. Right. So so thirty three plus fifty. So eighty three difficulty. Okay. You have an envoy there. You've agreed on a date mm-hmm. that they're going to do it. You've been tracking the date too, and it is your home where you live. Okay. It's your home base. So eighty three. You'd be at a difficulty of twenty, maybe twenty one. If it's your home base, and you have an envoy. Who's doing it on the same day? Who's doing it on the same day? I know that sounds like a that is a steep reduction, but it takes like a lot of planning. That's to do that. so much yeah. orchestration. Yeah. yeah, if you if you can orchestrate that, sure. And that extreme example, I feel like that works. Yeah, are we cool with that? Sure. Yeah. Okay, so we can use this thing about the weather to mm-hmm. get our baseline. So that's low level, harmless, generally unregulated magic. That's how it works. I don't perceive that the illegality will affect the, the difficulty? difficulty no just the consequences if you get found out but i do foresee that the amount of information information the, the specificity like if you're asking what's going to happen on this day in the future it could also tell you it's going to rain it will just also tell you other things or you don't really need to worry about it and you're like <laughs> wait what it's like you specifically don't don't plan past two weeks the voice of the universe it's like okay you say all right i'm gonna do the ritual i want to see what the weather is like in exactly two years from today in my hometown all right what's the weather and it's just like uh the voice of the universe says the weather is really bad it's like rocks falling from the sky don't ask about the moon it's like It's like, no, you're asking about the weather. You're not asking about future events. Uh, can I ask about future events? No. That's a different ritual. Yeah. Go somewhere else. So we'll come up with creative ways to perform the ritual to get the information back mm-hmm. in a way that we like. So yeah. like, like I said, like stones flipping. You throw stones in the air, they come down a certain way. This so, guy doesn't know how to use the three seashells. <laughs> we can control rituals in two ways. We can make the cost higher, and uh-huh. we can make their component 
like the actual difficulty of performing the ritual. Mm-hmm. There's a ritual that everyone on Earth knows, but it requires a substance that doesn't exist there. Yeah. It's from an old folk tale. Everybody everybody still performs the ritual, but they substitute something else, and then you are the adventurers who find that substance. You're like, Ooh. oh, shit. Yeah. It's just a song everyone sings, and they have no idea. It's like Ring Around the Rosie. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, you need the last bit, which is always known as... Ori Halkin. Yeah, and like, the, but the last bit... They don't or even, Dragon Come. You don't even know what the last <laughs> bit is, and the joke is that like Jade. you always have to put the if you get to kids nursery where they're yeah. all sitting around they're dancing it's like first you put in the frog blood and then yeah. you put in the whatever and the last bit is you or great big yeah. gobs of greasy grimy gopher go guts <laughs> you delayed a monkey it's literally <laughs> that's gonna be some that's sort the of ritual, ritual. Yeah. And then, but the last ingredient is the kids whose birthday it is or the um, yeah. whatever yeah. Like, but then it, you find out what the actual because everyone knows but we don't know what the actual last we did yeah, we just, yeah that's the, the birthday joke yeah. Yeah. and then you find the scroll and it's just like holy shit guys the happy birthday song yeah uh, it's just wheat. It just wants you to put wheat in. Wheat and dragon cup. <laughs> All right. I feel good about this and the direction it kind of is, is leaning us toward. Thank you very much for listening in. really appreciate everybody who listens in, especially these design sessions, which are very productive, even though we just giggle a bunch. But if you want to play this game at home, uh, at every stage of this, if you want to argue with us, which we love that. No, fucking scream at me. I, I... That's great, too, actually. Um, you can check us out on patreon.com slash rpgfs. We're on there. We've got something for you at every tier. We're about to release a bunch more cutting room floor clips for our $1 patrons. And 2 bucks, you get our character sheets, which we should have by now released another one that just it kind of puts features on the second page instead of the extended equipment that we can make other stuff for later. And 5 bucks gets you every rule book we put out, which I think I'm going to start putting out more regularly with even just minor changes, really pushing forward the small stuff. Yeah. And people can use the most up-to-date stuff. And at the $10 tier, you get to make custom NPCs, man, and some of them, as Bolivo is evidenced, stick around. If you want to know where we are at all times, you can find us on facebook.com slash RPGFS. And if you want to hear from us just at any time, check us out at Homebrew Hombres on Twitter. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening in, and until next time, stay safe, stand watch, and get a full rest. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.